Alright, hello and welcome back to Left Inside. It's Dermot bringing you another interview on a topic discussed in the latest issue of Rupture Magazine. In the same way as last time, you don't need to have read the article in order to understand what's discussed here. And if you are interested after discussion, I'll put a link to the magazine where it can be purchased below. Just to notify people as well that the article that was discussed in the last episode with Diana is now available online. And I'll stick a link to that in the episode description as well. Before we get started, I'll also mention... That if you want to support the podcast, you can do so by following the link to our fundraiser in the episode description. Contributions have been great so far, and this is the first episode where we'll be using new microphones purchased from listener contributions. Hopefully you notice the sound quality improvement. Hopefully it won't be all over place yeah. <laughs> as usual. But um, as you've heard, today I'm joined by Left Inside regular and Rupture Magazine contributor Nicole McCarthy couldn't even let you get through your intro without interrupting twice i'm so sorry <laughs> go ahead we'll be discussing nicole's article sage against the machine which is cracking title probably one of the best <laughs> it's probably the piece of it i'm most proud of to be honest so the article deals with topics of gardening working life the isolation from the pandemic alienation i think people wouldn't naturally connect those topics so what caused you to write about these things and, and how would you think about their connection I suppose broadly the article is about gardening, how gardening has been making a major comeback, particularly during the lockdown, and why I think people are so connected to gardening. So seeing the satisfaction I suppose people get from gardening would have kind of prompted me to kind of look into it a bit further, um, especially because there was that bit more time given to it during the lockdown for people. I just wanted to highlight that spending time in nature growing your own food like it actually is an act of rebellion you know what I mean against the machine if you will uh, so like big businesses can't profit from our enjoyment of nature well not directly like they have tried they do find ways through like releasing the best hiking equipment and you know your new garden accessories and stuff but the actual satisfaction that we find from our connection to nature can't actually be replicated in the form of consumer goods and it's just really important that we as humans are aware of and are exploring this connection that's super important that we have with nature like both physically and mentally. And your article highlights that the lockdown caused people to get back in their gardens and back outside obviously just by the circumstances of it but this was also used by people to relieve stress and and it kind of shows the place that nature has in people's lives that kind of gets forgotten why is this and how did you connect this with things like working life or a normal day-to-day of people's lives so the lockdown was obviously a time of like hyper stress for people like really unfamiliar really overly emotional and in a time like that, we seek comfort. Um, So for example, have you ever been in a situation where you're feeling overwhelmed with emotion, be it stress or anxiety, whatever it is in in your workplace or in your, your own personal life? And a really common human reaction is to step outside and get yourself some air. So we innately know that being outside in nature, just actually being surrounded by it is going to bring us some kind of sense of calm. And it gives us the perspective that we kind of need to cool down and continue on them with what we're doing. So I think that a lot of people have returned to their love of gardening during lockdown. And it's like a broader version of this. So like people that know that spending time in the fresh air 
helps their lungs, you know, having the soil between your fingers. It's just a really calming kind of thing that we all just naturally have in us. So in the article I outline, I think that people are gardening partly because the fact that the lockdown doesn't allow us to leave the country for the year. So you're going to be spending a lot of time out in your back garden. Mm -hmm. Also partly for, um, I know a lot of people had like food shortage worries at the start Mm -hmm. of the pandemic. So I think that that kind of encouraged a few people to start growing their crops out the back garden there. But personally, I just really think it's the feeling of satisfaction that from spending time in nature that actually creating this new life through plants and whatever food you might be making, it just makes us happier than any purchase of whatever latest consumer trend there is. And I think you use that and link that into the struggles experienced by people just under their own working lives and make a kind of comparison. What was the connection for you with this and how did you work through these topics? What I meant by it all (laughs) is that we experience a lot of unnecessary and unnatural stresses under capitalism. We have a housing crisis, a healthcare crisis, like a government who are giving us one set of instructions and then doing whatever the fuck they want off playing golf and stuff. And that kind of thing is very stressful to people. Um, Mm -hmm. So I suppose it leads to deeper questions like what is actually going to make a happier life? Like I say in the article, like, is it crippling debt to have a perfect two or three bedroom house? Is it working 40 or 50 hours a week and then shopping in our free time? Like if we're to follow the pace of life that suits capitalism, that what they're pushing us towards, we will literally work until we drop. And then while you're on the floor, you'll be internet shopping while you're down there. Do you know that kind of way? So like a lot of people are trying to live under a system that are just at breaking point. And we just kind of realise that for society to actually alleviate these Mm -hmm. pressures of life and give us the correct priorities, having nature involved in it is a big one of those. (laughs) It just, we're too separated from nature. Like it's literally something that we're part of. So obviously it's going to cause unnatural stresses if you have separated yourself entirely from that. So just on that separation, you also make note in the article that the system and working life makes nature for a lot of people irrelevant and they find it very hard to connect with it. And in some ways, they don't even really think about it themselves until they get an opportunity like this. How does that process happen or take place? Because you do discuss it in the piece. So we are so stressed from all of the reasons that I mentioned, like so many of our basic needs as people are not only unsatisfied by capitalism, but the systems in place for looking after them, healthcare, housing, education, they're actually in crisis. So in order to try and make a way for ourselves and our loved ones amongst all of these systems that are in chaos around us, we keep our head down, we join the urban rush, we keep our heads stuck in our phone mm-hmm. and we just want to make it through the week, you know, which is totally understandable because it's very hard to work full time and then to find the willpower to go and be politically active as you and I both know. <laughs> and do a podcast. Yeah, exactly. On top of our other political activism. <laughs> yeah. So even when we do take time to unwind, like how long do we actually spend dwelling on the anxieties of everyday life under capitalism? Yeah. You know, we think of nature as something that we like run to, you know, like I want to alleviate the stress I feel every day. So I'm going to go and get connected to it now that I need it instead of it just being an integral everyday part of your life. So I think we're touching on one of the most poignant pieces in the article was the connection between the ownership people feel in like the recreational exercise like gardening and the contrasting lack of ownership and lack of benefits in their workplaces or, or through their work. You highlight that this lack of ownership 
in work leads to an immense amount of discomfort for people. And this is tied into this concept of alienation that you discuss in the piece. So what is this? Like, how does it occur? And and then how is it countered? Okay, so while writing it, I wasn't even really aware I was writing about Max's theory of alienation. <laughs> so <laughs> bear with me in my explanation. This is this is my version of it. So at its best, Mark said, work fulfills our species essence. So I suppose what he kind of means by that would be something that I felt for the last few years. Like, I don't mind working. I have no problem with getting my hands dirty, getting stuck in, whatever. But it's being under employment that upsets me. You know what I mean? It's it's my 37 and a half plus hours of my week belong to someone else, you know, and it can't just be done at my own time. So that's kind of part of the, the separation there is that it's not work done for yourself. So the reality of the 19th century Europe, when Marx was alive and what he was writing about, the working conditions were literally killing people. Like we think it's bad now, but it was dire then. So workers, a lot of them had no choice but to sell their labour. And this kind of leaves a feeling of alienation. So about just to explain that fully, alienation is a disorientating sense of exclusion and separation. So to be alienated from the work that you're doing would be caused by things like these workers were making stuff that they couldn't actually afford to buy themselves. And then these goods that you've made are then sent off to a shop in a faraway place, or they definitely were in the 19th century Europe anyway, to make profits for the people who pay you. Fuck all. (laughs) And within the factories, the tasks were split up into like really specific you know, you do this one particular stitch all day or whatever it is. So it makes it a really monotonous kind of task and really repetitive and bleak and people literally just become cogs in the industrial machine. So they're literally living for those few hours that they get at home and they're also alienated from each other because if you're literally living for them few hours that you finally get at home with your family, you're not making community input, you're not adding to the, I suppose, like good work that can be done. Like, I don't know if anybody else experienced this but I know around my estate during the lockdown there was actually a group who went out and like cleaned up loads of like grass verges and stuff like that and like gave back to their community which is something that I'd say so many of us would do if we were given the time to do it and we weren't so exhausted by the end of our working week that we just wanted to disappear into ourselves rather than to actually go out into the world and seek what is out there for us. On that point of alienation, like I've always thought about it as like you have a natural instinct to do work, but the reward of it is that you're putting things in so that it it comes back to you later. And while you do get a version of that in employment, it's so atomized or you're so atomized and dislocated from the rewards of that work that you don't really feel any worth in what you're doing. You just don't, you don't get the creative input that you get if it's work that you're doing in the garden or work that you're doing for yourself or even writing a quick fucking poem or like preparing for this podcast or something like we get a creative input that you just don't get when you're just raising money for somebody and making profits for a big business like yeah. they want you to do it in the most cost effective way and then shut up and don't give us any of your creative ideas you know and i think it's a reality for a lot of people that they could be in companies or businesses with hundreds or thousands of people and wouldn't know or connect with any of those people on a day-to-day basis there's like no community aspect of the work when people say that they feel like a number it's because Mm -hmm. they don't have much connection even with the people that they're working beside and then you add to that the whole sense of like competition between workers and and it, it just compounds the kind of negative aspects of it I think yeah like I wonder if there's probably so many people out there who work in like a call center or like customer service environment that don't really notice that much of a difference working from home compared to working in the office because 
the situation that they're in in the office is alienating, you know? So there isn't that connection there. So you might as well be at home on your own. Yeah. And then uh, I would have read a lot of people saying that they have mandatory socializing hours within the week. And that's another show of how in place of the natural sense of community that you'd normally get from work, you have this like artificial performance. Also, a lot of it is put in place to be like, micromanaging people like there's a reason exactly. they have a meeting at half nine in the morning they want to make sure you're up they want to make sure you're dressed you've you no know? agency in it that's what they're getting at with alienation i think when you get into discussing like something that relates to how people feel it's often dismissed as like oh that's you can't theorize that but you can to an extent in that i think what he's talking about it captures it and i think this is connected to something that you go on and discuss how not only a separation from work causes like these negatives but a separation from nature causes a lot of issues for people and this is something that marx and eco-socialists like John Bellamy Foster have conceptualized in the idea of a metabolic rift. And this is briefly discussed in your article. What is this and and how does it occur and, and how is it rectified? Okay, so this is something that I find fascinating especially the fact, like like I said earlier, the fact that it's still so relevant now, 100 odd years later. So for people who get intrigued by the explanation I'm about to give, I do encourage you to go and research further <laughs> yourself because I don't have the full concept, but I'll try. So capitalism has obviously changed our relationship with nature, as we have discussed earlier in the interview. This has kind of happened gradually over centuries and it's kind of affected what we think of nature and what it means to us. So the metabolic rift is basically physical and mental repercussions of how capitalism has changed nature for people. So people went from being peasants who lived off the land. So, you know, you did your own work like we were talking about. You know, you were out working on your own land to make food for your own family. You know, other people might have been making clothes and stuff. It was very much like you were hands on involved in your livelihood, in your life. Yeah. Whereas people were kicked off the land. Um, And they no longer had this use of nature's toolbox. And it just meant then that people were actually forced into selling their labor. So they were had to be part of the Industrial Revolution. They had to move into big cities. And obviously, with doing this, it went from being like a small farming situation where everybody grew food for themselves to having these large industrial agricultural practices. So that kind of dramatically changed how we fed ourselves. Mm-hmm. And like a, f- a few years into this, they realized that the nutrients were actually gone from the soil. They had done such heavy practices 100 plus years ago <laughs> that there was no longer nutrients left in the soil. So when they came to this realization, they weren't like, oh, this is really bad. Maybe we'll come up with better practices for farming. They were like, shit, how can we solve this problem immediately so that our profits are not affected? And they actually imported people's bones that they ground down and put in the soil because it has nutrients in it and also guana, which is bird shit. So anything they could find that was nutrient rich, they put into our soil. And this was 100 plus years ago. So can you imagine the level of nutrients that is fucking lacking in our soil now that has been replaced with artificial this and fertilizer that so it meant it kind of disturbed this kind of natural cycle Uh, so like it did happen that you know something existed in nature it went into the human and then through our digestive system it went back into nature and we were literally just replenishing the nutrients that had come from the land but now we obviously don't have the correct nutrients within the land we have it laden with chemicals but also we transfer goods 
to a lot of different countries and stuff. So even the nutrients from people that is going back into the soil is not the correct nutrients for that area. So for example, we all eat bananas here in Ireland, but they don't grow bananas here in Ireland. So our waste matter that's from the bananas is not replenishing the soil in the natural way that it once would have when we had that kind of cycle going. So we're physically separated from nature, which has also caused a bit of a mental shift and how we consider it and how important it is to us. So it's seen as like even like the environmental movement. And these are people who are super into nature, Mm -hmm. really interested in it. They think it's like this thing that we need to save. You know, you need to go and save the polar bears or stop the ice caps from melting. And like, it's literally a part of us. It's literally the only reason that we're alive. The only reason that we survive at all. So like, we're not saving nature. We're saving ourselves through this. You know what I mean? And it's just that realization needs to hit home with people, I think. Like we need to restructure society. We need to coexist symbiotically with nature instead of just like looting it for all it's worth mm-hmm. and pulling every single nutrient out. <laughs> like thinking in this way, I would have been slow to coming to an understanding of it. I always dismissed it as being like, oh, this is very fluffy. This is just like, a, there's not a lot of material grounding in this. Like, because I think you're, you're conditioned to think of things, anything related to nature being like, oh, that's hippie stuff. But I think for me, when I was trying to think about it, like the whole point is that we've separated ourselves from this process or degraded the process itself is why there's such like a lack of care for climate change or global emissions or anything like that is because people just end up thinking about it as like oh that's just something happening over there that doesn't affect me as long as the factories continue producing i'll be fine as long as the farms continue producing i'll be fine but there's a dismissal of like it's all connected if they don't if that happens like all that stuff cuts off yeah of course like Sure, my family still has food on the table. Exactly, so and, yeah. and I understand why that blocks some people because it, it, it is obviously one of your instincts to provide. And if you think that's the best way to provide, then yeah. I understand why you would go after that. Yeah, and I think it, this is like a good contrast between the discussion I had with Diana last time on like the Green New Deal. And it's good to reiterate that like when you're talking about restructuring society, it's not that people need to give up this like their quality of life. You can have society not built on like profit and built on people actual quality of life can be like a much better thing to work towards and I think you kind of have to work around the inbuilt scepticism of that type of thing and and how would you like deal with the kind of dismissal of this as like too idealistic or fluffy people who think it's hippy dippy I think to them I say try and spend some time in nature Mm -hmm. and you know leave your phone behind for the day and embrace it look at what the birds are doing, you know, smell the beautiful smells of the flowers around you and come back to me and let me know yeah. how how you how it went because I feel like some people could be so ingrained in the capitalist culture that they don't actually understand how to fully embrace nature in the right way and to you know what I mean? Because there is this like short attention span for us all. Like you have to concentrate and almost like disconnect from your daily stresses to actually appreciate it properly so I feel like for a lot of people I do understand why it's difficult but I just I say try try again because it literally is good for your mental and physical health so I often think of it like mindfulness has kind of been co-opted by like business culture now that they try and make people do it so that they can work better when in reality it is a good thing to like disconnect from everything that's going on and it doesn't have to be in like serving your employer or something like that. You can just do it. Go out and sit out in the garden and, and take a bit of time to yourself and shouldn't feel guilty about it as well. Yes, that's a big one as well is the kind of guilt of like, oh, I should be getting the washing done. Oh, I should be mm-hmm. doing that. Like 
No, if you're sitting there watching the beautiful sunset at the seaside, enjoy that moment and then bring that peace that you have back to your house with you for when you do have to do the washing or do have to get your bits done. But make sure you enjoy that moment. Like, Yeah, I think at, at, at that point we can probably wrap things up there and I'll just say thanks a million to Nicole for joining me today to have a chat about the article. Thanks for having me. No problem. My pleasure. So as I mentioned before, more information on the topic and link to the magazine and, and a few other resources that we can think of will be put in the episode description. And I'll also put that link for the fundraiser in if anyone wants to give us a bit of support that would be fantastic and thanks a million for listening bye for now